Oh, dear, I'm sorry. Darn, that was important today because only people with those sermon notes are going to heaven. So this is a VBS. This is a message based around Vacation Bible School and a lot of those songs that you just heard. Now, I didn't know that until I was singing the songs, and I thought, oh, this is the message. Thank you, God. This morning, we're going to look at the calling of the 12 apostles. So you might be thinking, hang on, Pastor Mike, and we looked at the calling of the 12 apostles? No, we have not. Now, we're going to be flipping back between Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because there's three accounts of this, and each one has a little different perspective, so get your fingers ready in your Bibles. Um, And I've entitled the message, A New Beginning, and you'll see why as we go on. Now, we've been in this series now, Walking with Jesus 2021, for eight weeks. If you want to get any of the old messages, just go into our website, lakewayonline.org or uh, Facebook. You can get them there. So we're going to start off in Luke. That's been our go-to gospel for our Walking with Jesus 2021 series. But uh, you know what? Let me catch my breath. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks. I thank you for all these lovely kids. There were so many kids here at Vacation Bible School this week. Father, I thank you for the helpers and the volunteers. It was just a wonderful event. Father, I thank you for the fun we had. I thank you for the lives that are changed. I pray for those who asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. And for every child that, that was here, Father, I pray that the seeds that were sown this week would have good, strong roots that go down into fertile soil, Father, and would bear good fruit. And I pray that it would overflow into the families that these children are part of. And Father, now as we come here this morning, as as I was singing those songs, I realized how your Holy Spirit had been at work, and I didn't even see it. This message is basically about the very things that we've just sung about. So open up our eyes, our hearts, our ears to your power, to what you would say to us, Father, so that we can be transformed, we can be changed from the inside out. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start off in Luke chapter 6. That's the, uh, the passage that I put in the outline for the special ones that have an outline. Um, so it says, one day soon afterwards, this is Luke 6, verse 12. Soon after what? Well, last week we looked at this event where Jesus was in the... Uh, synagogue healing on the Sabbath. So in Luke, this event now follows that. It says one day soon afterwards. So around that time. So it's quite early on in Jesus's ministry. Jesus has garnered much attention. It really is. People are coming from everywhere to see Jesus. So there's one day soon afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. Let me ask you something. Have you ever met someone that you just seemed, that, that, that just seemed so open and, and so genuine that you, you could bare your soul to them? You could talk to them and talk to them and they talk to you. And it, and it just, it's like, wow, this person. You could talk to them about anything, you know? Open up your soul to them and they would listen. And, and it's so comfortable. You get that sense that there's no judgment. There's, it's just good. I remember, is she in here? Am I, are you in here, Sandra? Good. I remember when I first met my wife, three things that struck me early on. Number one, I never met anyone who could talk as much as she could talk. 
And I come from a house with four sisters and my mother. And, and, and I met Sandra and it's like, wow, this girl can talk. But I liked it. I, I enjoyed it. I thought she was the nicest person I've ever met. And the third thing, I felt I could tell her anything. You know, when you connect with someone, there's this sense of, of trust that even if they don't agree with you or they don't see it from your perspective, it doesn't matter. They're open to your perspective. They're open to your idea. You're open to their perspective. You're open to their idea. You don't have to agree on anything. And it doesn't get in the way. Even if you share the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because they get you. And you get them. And if it goes both ways, it's just a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. They get you, you get them. It's real, it's genuine, it's open, it's honest. You just enjoy being with that person. You can't wait for the next time you see that person. And you can talk to them for hours. Do you know what you call people like that? Did I hear someone say fantasy? No. Soulmates. And we talk about your soulmate, right? It could be your spouse. I can't, tell you the number of t- I can't tell you the number of times Sandra and I have said to one another, she said to me or I've said to you, you're the only person I can say this to. You're the only person I can tell this to because nobody else will get it. Or the, uh, but you will. And then you bare your soul. You say something pretty much anyone else would say, what? Seriously? But not your soulmate. It can be your BFF. A sibling. A parent, an adult child, could be someone with whom you've experienced a a traumatic life situation. Sometimes that bonds people together and, and you become soulmates. You've gone through something and there's an acceptance and there's an openness in your relationship. Jesus and God are soulmates. It wasn't difficult for Jesus to spend all night talking to God. He wasn't up there on the mountain thinking, what am I going to say next? It was easy for him. Have you ever spent all night talking to the Father? I haven't. (laughs) What's the longest time? Think about it. What's the longest time you've ever spent in prayer? I don't know what the longest time I've ever spent in prayer. I know a couple of times. I remember one time Sandra and I and, and good friends of ours up in Canada, we had this thing where we would pray the new year in. And uh, it was just amazing sometimes. We'd, we'd start praying, and then the next thing, you know, you look at your watch, and it's 3 o'clock in the morning. And I, I remember one time I was praying, and gosh, I don't know, I was praying for two and a half, three hours. And I had to stop because something happened, but I wasn't finished yet. Uh, and you can't manufacture that. It's just one of those things, you know, it's like the Spirit takes it, and, and off you go. You're just connected with God and you're praying and it's like, wow. Let me tell you something. Jesus is your soulmate. It's in your notes there. Jesus is your soulmate. He is the one that knows you most. He is the one that gets you most. Every single believer who's taken that step and invited Jesus Christ into their lives as their Lord and Savior said, Jesus, I want you in my life. If that's you and, it, and it's real and sincere, he is your soulmate. 
He is the one that you can go to. He's the one that you can bear your soul to. Now, sometimes we have this kind of uh, relationship with God, with Jesus. Here's the thing. He already knows everything about you. He already knows everything about you. He knows the good. He knows the bad. He knows the ugly. He knows the dirt that you don't want to tell anybody else. He knows everything about you already. And 10 minutes before you asked for him to be your Lord and Savior, he already knew it. And he already knew every failing that you were going to make from there on. And when you said, will you be my Lord and Savior? He didn't say, nah, not really. I know what's going to happen. He said, absolutely. Come on in. I'm your soulmate. I'm the one that I want you to talk to when things are going wrong. I'm the one that when things are right. I'm the one when you trip and you fall and you stumble and you do the worst thing you think you could ever do. I'm the one that you want to come to and talk to. I am your soulmate. There's no new news about you for Christ. And his greatest desire is that you would know him. You know, the greatest, for me, the greatest prayer in the Bible, we we always talk about the Lord's Prayer as being the Our Father, right? I don't consider that to be the Lord's Prayer. John chapter 17 is the Lord's Prayer for me. It's right before Jesus goes into that week that ends up with his crucifixion. And he takes time, and the whole of chapter 17 is Jesus praying. The whole chapter is a prayer of Jesus. And I love what it says in verse 3. It says, and this is the way to have eternal life. That's good to know, isn't it? And this is the way to have eternal life. If you've ever got questions, Jesus has got it right there for you. Here's how you have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Now, that might go against everything that you've heard teach, that, that you've heard me teach. Hang on, Pastor Mike. That, that, that's not the formula. It doesn't say anything about your religion. It doesn't say anything about your behavior. It doesn't say anything about anything except to know God and to know Jesus Christ. Eternal life is gained by knowing God and Jesus. Because if you know God the Father and you know Jesus Christ, you know about the cross. You know about forgiveness of sins. You know about all of that stuff because you know the author of all of that stuff. And the reason that behavior doesn't come into the equation is that the closer you draw to Jesus, the more you know Jesus. And you are changed. And that changes how you think. That changes your behavior. It changes your your very purpose for getting out of bed in the morning. When you're close to Jesus and you know Jesus, your life is changed. You don't have to worry about your behavior. He takes care of that. He is your soulmate. And the question I've got for you this morning, are you his soulmate? Or do you hold him at a distance? Because there's a lot of things that you do in your life, a lot of places that you go in your life, a lot of things that you say in your life. They're not things that you would do or go or say if Jesus were there. And that creates a barrier between you and him. 
He is your soulmate. The closer you get to him, the better your life is going to be. And all of that crud that gets in the way, when you're close to Jesus, you don't care about that crud anymore. It's not important to you because this relationship is what is important to you. And your desire becomes for Jesus. So Jesus is up on a mountain. He spends all night praying to the Father. It says at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Now, before we get to the names, we're going to flip over to Mark. Mark chapter 3. It's got a little bit different perspective here. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Jesus went up on a mountainside. doesn't say anything about the prayer. Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Now, Matthew doesn't mention the mountain, the prayer, or the calling. We're going to look at Matthew in a minute, but there's something interesting in there. But Mark, Mark uses the word, he appointed the 12. Luke uses the word apostle. Now, the word apostle, and this is in your note, means a delegate, a messenger, one sent forth with orders. That's what an apostle is, someone who is sent with orders. Go do this. The word translated appointed is kind of interesting because, you know, we think of appointed, appointed to a position, appointed to to do something. That's not what it means. It means to make to produce, to construct, to form, to fashion. In this case, it's kind of to train. So in essence, Jesus calls these 12 in order to train them for a special work, and then he sends them out to do it. Now, I find this whole thing kind of interesting, and it raises questions for me. And if I had an outline, I'd see if I've given you the questions. I think I did. The first question that comes to mind is, is why 12 or or Why those 12? What was it about them that that separated them out from the masses? The second question, had they not already been with him? It says he selected 12 to be with him. Hadn't they already been with him for a while? And then the third question that, that kind of struck me, had they not already been called? Remember, we did a whole sermon on fishers of men. And in fact, that was the third time that they had been called back then. Now they're up on a mountain and they get called again. It's kind of strange. So I I love putting myself there. I was sitting out at the lake last night, practicing. And I was thinking, I wonder what Jesus said to them. You know, he goes up on the mountain, he's praying all night. Then he calls the group up, probably meets them halfway calls out the 12. Come on over here, guys. You ever had a, we need to talk? Nobody likes that one, do they? Gosh, I remember in the old days, I've shared this before. Sandra used to do this to me. She doesn't do it to me anymore. Thank you, God. But as I was leaving, you know, you're closing the door. Oh, we need to talk. (laughs) Then you got to go to work all day. This is pre-cell phone. You're wondering, what do we need to talk about? Because, you know, being male, I had no clue. And then you get home and it's, here it comes. We need to talk. You get called into the boss's office, right? We need to talk. Naturally, it's like, no, it's not good. 
So Jesus has got these 12. Hey, come on over here, guys. We need to talk. Oh, Peter, you messed up again, buddy. (laughs) But I think there are clues into that conversation and the answer to these other questions in the passage that we're going to look at in Matthew. So first of all, I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 9. This is before the naming of the 12. And most of us know this passage of Scripture. Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. It says, Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages of that area, Galilee. He was in Galilee. Teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Well, what was the good news about the kingdom? Got to make sure we got this straight. The kingdom of heaven has come to you. Jesus is telling them, because of your sin, because we all fall short, you couldn't get to the kingdom of heaven. Your sin is a barrier between you and God. But guess what? You couldn't get there, so the kingdom of heaven has come to you. I've come down to be a bridge. I've come down to give you access to God again. Sometimes crossing a bridge can be scary. It reminded me. Can we put... Oh, is this not working? Pardon me? It was on that. So you don't have any of the notes I'm telling you about. Okay. <laughs> Good to know that before the service. <laughs> it was on the flash drive, I thought. Maybe. I'll carry on. I remember when, uh, I don't know, when I was a teenager in, in high school, we had this bridge in Plymouth. The, the Kiem Viaduct, it was a railway bridge, built in 1900, so, you know, it's old. And uh, a friend of mine found a way you could get up there, and on the top is the railway tracks, but underneath it, there was this platform that hung, a catchway. And it was on these steel beams, which were all rusty, and then they'd have other beams that crossed, and then there were wood planks, and on the other side, there was a big gap like that. He said, come on up, let's go on the bridge. We went up there and climbed up, got on, got on the walkway. I don't like heights. It's 90 feet high. And we're walking across, and this thing is creaking. And the wood's all splintered. You know, you tread on one, it goes, you think it's going to break. And it was so scary. There it is, the viaduct. Doesn't look 90 feet, but it's 90 feet, trust me. Oh, go to the next slide. So I brightened it. You can see that. Have I got a laser pointer on this? That there is the walkway. You can see the rusty beams, and then these are steel beams, and then that's wood, and then there's a gap each side. And it was darn scary. Sometimes taking a step of faith is scary. You're just not sure about it. It's, it's like, wow, I, why, why would you do that? And that was a good question to ask us. Why would you do that? This is what the Vacation Bible School has been all about. Your soulmate says, will you trust me? Take a step of faith. I will not let you down. I'm your soulmate. And whether that step of faith is that first step of faith to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Or whether it's a step of faith to continue on on the journey 
or whether it's a step of faith to to take on something new that Jesus Christ is challenging you to, sometimes it's just scary and we hold back. It says, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. You know, Jesus healed for two reasons. First reason, because he was compassionate. People come to him and they're hurting and he wanted to heal them. But the second reason and the main reason is because he wanted to tell people the good news about the kingdom. And healing would bring people to him. It was a calling card. It was a way of getting people to come. And a lot of the people that would come, they're walking. They're not getting a train or driving or getting an Uber. And some of them have walked 60, 70, 80 miles to come to see Jesus. Now, through dangerous territory. Now, here's the truth. It doesn't matter how good of a preacher you are. You can be the best preacher in the world, and I'm sure Jesus would. No one's walking 70 miles to hear you. They're not walking 70 miles to hear Jesus preach. Can you tell me what he said? (laughs) They're not going to walk it. But if you hear that he can heal your cancer, or your skin disease, or your blindness, or your lameness, your demon possession, there was a lot of demon possession back in those days when Jesus was walking. Or whatever ails you, if you know that the healer is there, you're going to find a way to get to him. Even if you've got to pay someone to carry you to him. I want to get to the healer because he can heal me. He can make me whole. And Jesus knew that physical healing wasn't the main healing that we need. We need spiritual healing. But if I heal you physically, if you come for the physical healing, I can give you what you really need, which is the spiritual healing goes on, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, got that word disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So he's telling his followers, I want you to pray this prayer. And then it goes on, Chapter 10, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. So this is the first mention of the 12 in Matthew. So somewhere in between the end of chapter 9 in Matthew and the beginning of chapter 10 is the stuff that we just read about in Luke and Mark, where Jesus goes up on a hill, he prays all night, he calls them together. Hey, you guys are going to be the 12. So here's what's happening. Jesus is going from town to town. He's preaching in their synagogues. He's preaching in the town. He's healing people, telling them the good news. And at some point, the number of people that are coming to see Jesus exceeds his capacity to meet all their needs. There's just too many of them. It was okay when it was two, three, 10, 20, 30, maybe even 50 or 60. But now we're coming in thousands and I can't heal and reach all of these people. He's the shepherd. But there are so many sheep, he can't shepherd them all. So he tells his disciples, he says, pray to God for workers to go out into the people. In other words, ask God to send people to do what I am doing out there. Now that's a little intimidating, isn't it? 
If Jesus came to you and said, I'm, I'm casting out demons, I'm healing people, I'm sharing the good news, would you pray that God would send more people to do that? Now, if you're not willing to do that, it's kind of a hard prayer to pray. Dear God, would you send someone else? So I imagine Jesus is now watching. Guys, I want you to pray this prayer. You see what I see. You see the needs. You see the masses. We've got to get the good news to them. And I can't get it to all of them. Guys, I want you to pray this prayer. And he's watching his disciples. Who's going to be brave enough to pray that prayer in sincerity? Who's going to be brave enough to step up to this mission? And I'm sure that, that some rise to the challenge, probably more than 12. But in order for them to do the work that Jesus is doing, they've got to be equipped, they've got to be trained, and they've got to be managed. Jesus knows they're going to be dealing with demons, they're going to be dealing with sickness, they're going to be dealing with opposition from the authorities. This is going to take work to equip these people. You can't train a hundred. You can't really train fifty for that level of intensity. So somewhere, Jesus, God, gives him a number 12. Pick 12. Of all the ones there that look like, you know, they've got the aptitude for this, the ones who are praying, the ones who are asking, can, do you want me to go out there, Jesus? Pick 12 of those. And he goes up on the mountain. Which 12, God? I've got it down to 15. I've got it down to 30. Which 12, God? Back to Luke. Simon, who he named Peter. Andrew, Peter's brother, the fisherman. James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas. James, the son of Alphaeus. Simon, who was called the Zealot. Judas, the son of James. And Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. So then he calls them apart and he says, Okay, guys, I have a new beginning for you. I know you've been following me for a while. You left your fishing nets. You've been watching. But I got a new beginning for you. Your whole life is about to change forever. I'm sending you to do the work I've been doing. Now, that would be kind of scary, wouldn't it? You're it. And then you're going to train others to do what I train you to do. I believe this is the birth of the church. We talk about Acts 2 as being the birth of the church. We were talking about this in our small group earlier this week. I believe that this is the birth of the church. Acts 2 is the empowering of the church, and then Jesus is gone, and, and they start going out on their own to do it. But to me, this is the beginning of the, the, the church. You 12 are going to do the work that I do. You're going to go into the world. You're going to heal. You're going to tell them about Jesus. You're going to tell them about me. You're going to tell them about the good news of the kingdom of heaven. Now, what did it mean in Mark where he said he appointed 12 that they might be with him? Because they were already with him. So there's a process, and this is in your notes. First one is a follower. A follower is behind, right? You can't be ahead and be a follower. A follower is always behind. A follower is watching. When Jesus said, come follow me, he was in front of them. He was doing the work. 
A disciple, which is the next level, is someone who is with Jesus. He's learning from Jesus. They're learning from Jesus. They're studying Jesus. And that's kind of where these guys have been up to now. And then there's an apostle. Apostles are sent ahead. Go do this work. And they join him in his work. That's what it means when he says he called 12 of them to be with him. You're now with me, guys. You're doing the work that I do. We're partners in this now. This is a call to the called. And it's a call every follower of Jesus receives. And here's what you've got to think about. Is your life going to be about following Jesus? Or is your life going to be about learning? A disciple learning about Jesus? See, following Jesus, it, Jesus is doing the work. Can we go to the next slide? I got these this morning. I thought they were great. There's Jesus. He's carrying the cases. They're behind. They got some. But that's what it's like to be a follower, right? It's easy to be a follower, But then there's a disciple. The disciple is with Jesus. It's comfortable, actually, to be a disciple. But we all stay a disciple. We stay learning. And then there is an apostle. You go on ahead. You do the work that I was doing. You look at the bridge and you think... Hmm, that's kind of scary. I could just imagine the conversation though. And it's the same conversation Jesus has with us whenever he tells us to take a step of faith. That's kind of scary, Jesus. Yep. I don't know if I can do this. Yep. What if I die? Yep. What if you die? You get to be with me. Where are you in the process? Are you a follower? Are you a disciple? Are you an apostle? Everybody is called to be an apostle. A follower, for the most part, is someone who's really in the relationship for what they can get out of it. Jesus had lots of followers. People who wanted healing, They wanted Jesus to do something, but they weren't invested in the relationship. They weren't interested in giving anything back. And sadly, I'm just going to speak frankly, I see a lot of followers. They use the church in the same way that they see Jesus. After all, the church is the body of Christ here on earth. And, and, And I see them from time to time, but the only time I ever really get to talk to them is when they need something. I've got a whole list of people. I know when they call me, as soon as I see that name, they want something. They need something. Otherwise, I wouldn't be hearing from them. That's okay. I like to talk to them because I like to have opportunity to encourage. But here's the thing. I feel sorry for them because they're missing out on so much more. And then there's a disciple. That's a step up from a follower. A disciple is someone who is interested in learning about Jesus. 
and what it means to be Christian. And it's very important and it's ongoing. A disciple is someone who comes to church on a regular basis. They're interested in learning. They're part of a small group usually or a Bible study. They've got a Bible and they read it. I love doing this to people. So if I come to your house, you know I'm going to do it. I was asking them, do you have a Bible? And most people say, yeah. And I'll say, well, what version is it? Some people have no clue. I don't know. I said, well, get your Bible then. And off they go. Dust coming out of the room and (laughs) clothes flying out of the closet. They come out with their Bible. I say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a new international version. When did you buy it? Ten years ago. It's brand spanking new. All the pages are still shiny and white. There's no dog ears on the corner. That thing hasn't been opened maybe once, maybe twice. And the sad thing is, probably when they bought it, they intended to read it. They intended to use it, but, you know, it's never got there. But you go into the home of a disciple and you ask about their Bible, they bring out their Bible. It's all dog-eared. It's got writing in it. It's yellow pages. And they've been reading that thing. But we're not called to simply be a disciple. We're not to camp there. Each and every one of us is called first to follow Jesus. Then we're called to learn from Jesus. And then we're called to do the work of Jesus. Jesus calls us to step out. Out of our comfort zone and into a new beginning with him. You know, Matthew 10, right after the list of the 12, you know the very next words? Jesus sent out the 12 apostles. You, 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 come on over here with me. I'm going to give you power to heal. I'm going to give you power to cast out demons. And I want you to go on out there and tell people the good news of the kingdom. Off you go then. Oh, hang on, Jesus, they're just fishermen. We're not qualified for this. Nope, off you go then. It's kind of scary. What about the Pharisees? They're smarter than we are. Yep, off you go then. What if people don't like us? They won't like you. Off you go then. What if they kill us? Yeah, what if they do? They're going to kill me too. Off you go then. I don't want to do this, Jesus. I'm your soulmate. I got it. Go do it. I love what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. He said, I focus on this one thing. This gets all of my attention. Forgetting the past, forgetting my inhibitions, forgetting my worries, forgetting my failings, forgetting what I can't do, what I failed at in the past, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now, do you notice words, Paul's words at the end of the verse? He's talking about me, I, me, I, calling us. It's plural. This is a call to the call. This journey with Jesus is not about a single decision. Sometimes, you know, we we are, did you make a decision for Jesus? Like those kids did at VBS, 11 of them. Did you make a decision for Jesus? Good. That's just the first step. It's a series of decisions. It's a series of steps. And each step requires that we rely on him more. It gets scarier the further in you go. hate to tell that to the church. 
But that's the fact. And the more we rely on him, the closer we draw to him. Because the scarier it is, the more we call, right? Jesus, help me. The more we rely on him, the closer we draw to him, the closer we draw to him, the more we know him, the more we know him, the better our lives become. So I have a simple question for you this morning. And then I'm going to close it up here. What decision do you need to make? What's your next step? And everybody has one. You might be sitting there thinking, gee, Pastor May, I have no idea. What's the decision do I need to make? I don't know. Do you know what Jesus did? Went up on the mountain and prayed all night. Show me what, Father? Show me who, Father? Show me what's next, Father? It could be a a decision to learn about Jesus. A decision to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. A decision to learn from Jesus. A decision to step out for Jesus. Or to continue on with Jesus. What decision do you need to make? Maybe you need a new beginning with Jesus. You look at your life and you've been thinking, man, you know, I used to be on fire and I used to be moving along, but now it kind of stalled out. And I got a Bible and it's got dog ears and the pages are kind of yellow, but it's sort of dusty now because I got out of the habit. Maybe you need to come back to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I need you to fire up my soul once again. I need you to send me. Maybe you need to rediscover your soulmate. Maybe you've never discovered your soulmate. He invites us back. He invites us in and he invites us on. And you know what he says? You can trust me. I'm your soulmate. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks. I thank you that you are, in Jesus Christ, you are our soulmate. Father, sometimes we run from you, sometimes we hide from you. Guilt will do that to us. Apathy will do that to us. Fear will do that to us. Busyness will do that to us. But Father, I pray that you would just strip away those things that get in the way. Father, I pray for each and every person here today that they would have that relationship with you where they just want to talk with you. They want to know you at a whole new level. Just bear their souls to you so that you can reach down and touch into their lives and bring about change in their lives, Father. Draw them back to you. Draw them close to you, I pray. And I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't have any announcements. Oh, I do. I have one announcement today, or two announcements. I think this is all that's left of VBS that's got to come down and railway tracks out in the hallway. Is there anything else anyone knows of? The foyer? I thought the foyer had been done. Still trees and boxes? So we need to get that packed up today, right? I'm going to ask some people to do me a big favor. I had a lot of people here all week working at VBS. 
If you weren't part of that, and you've got a half an hour, give us a half an hour. I know those people will join us too. But it'd be sure nice if we could spread the work just a little bit thinner. I reckon half an hour we'll have this down. Where's this all going to go, Hector? Out in the shed? Yeah. And it doesn't take long to, to tear it down. All right, I've got to look at something here, and I've got so many things. Just a second. Ah. And please be faithful with your offering. As you leave, you can place your offering in the bin over there, go online, mail it in, whatever you want. But please be faithful. So I have an announcement that I need to read to you, and I haven't had a chance to read it myself. And you saw my wife come up with this note, and she said, read out the text on your phone at the end of the service. (laughs) Okay. Lakeway, we have just been informed that two people attended VBS this week have tested positive for COVID. If you were here for VBS, please monitor your symptoms as stated by the CDC. Tell your close contacts that you may have been exposed to to COVID-19. As soon as I have more details, if there are specific people that we need to to let know, we will call you, okay? An infected person can spread COVID-19 starting 48 hours or two days before the person has any symptoms or tests positive. By letting your close contacts know they may have been exposed to COVID-19, you are helping protect everyone. Well, look at that. We've been in the COVID thing for a year and a half, and that's the first time I've had to make that announcement. Praise God. But two people have tested positive, so as soon as I have more details, be watching. This is not something I'm going to put on Facebook, but we will be emailing, and we need to do what is responsible and what is right. And for all I know, I might have to go and hide for two weeks, but I'll I'll know soon. I'm not sure what the protocol is. Um, but please keep those people in your prayers also. I don't know of anybody else that's showing any symptoms. So with that up, let's stand up and pray. Oh, and we've got lots of food to share with them. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for your Holy Spirit, for the power of your Spirit, for your love and your grace and your mercy. Father, I pray for the two people that have COVID. I pray that... um, You would pour out your healing hand upon them. And Father, that would be the extent of this breakout, that other people will not be infected. But Father, whatever happens, we trust you. And I pray that we act in a responsible way and do what is right, each and every one of us. Father, again, thank you for these beautiful children that were part of this Vacation Bible School. Father, bless us as we go from here, that we may be a blessing to everyone we meet. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I have one last instruction for you. Because of that information, don't all be hugging or shaking hands. Exit nice and quietly and quickly. Thank you. Letting go of every single dream.